Welcome to the first episode of the Cardano Development Insights Podcast. I'm Joris van Opperij. Our Insights platform is where we share our ideas and expert knowledge of local financial market development in frontier and emerging markets, with a strong focus on local currency financing. After listening to today's episode, head over to our website to find out more. This podcast series will explore Cardano Development's role as a local currency financing house and how it supports its companies with fund management and incubation to transform the financial markets of frontier economies. In this first episode, we have brought together industry peers to talk about capital mobilization for infrastructure through local currency guarantees. Let's look at today's key insights. The annual infrastructure funding gap in sub-Saharan Africa could be as big as 108 billion US dollars. Local currency financing is a game changer that puts control back in the hands of the local business ecosystem. Guarantees are a proven way to bridge the infrastructure funding gap. In most recent years, the capacity of local markets is growing tremendously. Now it's possible to think of local capital markets as a solution. So let's get on with it. I'd like to introduce to you Joost Seidberg, CEO of Cardano Development. Lasitha Pereira, co-founder and director of the Development Guarantee Group. Janice Kotut, managing director of the Infra Solutions of the Private Infrastructure Development Group. Mahin Rahman, CEO of Infrazamin. And Chinua Azubike, CEO of Infracredit. Each of our guests have a first-hand experience of mobilizing finance through their work with the public and private sectors. Joost, uh, let's start with you. Can you tell us about how Cardano Development and its startups are playing a role in capital mobilization through local currency solutions? We started some uh, 10 years ago and by now have developed three active solutions in different markets and are working hard to realize more as we speak. As an example, we were involved from the early days in the development of the Agri3 concept, which was sponsored by the Rabobank and the United Nations Environment, where we have been selected as, uh, together with our partners to manage the fund that um, was created as a result of that, the Agri3 fund. What it does is it assists uh, commercial banks to invest in very long-term loans that are provided to farmers in, for instance, uh, Brazil or Indonesia for the uh, required investments into deforestation mitigation and um, better land use. These projects typically yield less return than other potential investments and therefore The farmers need to see a balance by, for instance, the loan being much longer in maturity. This uh, then in turn requires us to to help the bank provide those long terms. And for anyone unfamiliar with the space, can you give us a quick synopsis of what a guarantee is? In its core, a guarantee is a promise to pay where the lender does not, for whatever reason. So a guarantee can be a very, very basic agreement um, that says just that. Uh, The moment that uh, the lender does not receive payment from its borrower, 
then it can uh, call on the guarantee and get paid from the guarantor instead. Okay, thank you. And so we are zooming in today on guarantees. So can you elaborate a little bit uh, on that and also on the activities of Cardano development specifically in the guarantee space? When you want to mobilize local capital, it is our experience that the biggest hurdle that you need to address first and foremost is credit risk. This is because the local institutions that have the capability to invest for long term, and this is mostly in the area of uh, infrastructure finance and asset finance, they would have the ability to invest, but they cannot absorb the credit risk associated with the investment. And this can be fixed with the use of guarantees very effectively. Can you give a few examples of companies or initiatives that Cardano Development uh, is involved in or has, has initiated or developed? So in the area of local currency guarantees, we started with Garantco, uh, which uh, the mandate we took over in 2016. We have added to that Agri3. We have been participating in the creation of InfraCredit and InfraZamin, who are also on this podcast and we have a number of other projects ongoing to expand geographically and product-wise. So what do you think is the biggest barrier to mobilizing capital for infrastructure finance in Africa and Asia? How can it be overcome? Barriers uh, to a thriving local capital provision, for instance, infrastructure, are quite diverse. There's, there's a few things you need to fix all at the same time in our experience. So credit risk, that can be solved by the use of guarantees. At the same time, there are, for instance, issues around interest rates. Typically, in, in many developing countries, the, the long-term interest rate is relatively high, and therefore, uh, there's a cost consideration. And ideally, our interventions work best where the monetary system is relatively stable and rates are low. Thirdly, there's an institutionalization of the investment in private sector that needs to happen in the sense that institutional investors need to, to invest more regularly into infrastructure finance to understand the dynamics around it. And until that happens, they will be reluctant, is our experience. And last, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think I think the last point that Joost is touching on is is quite a key point, and actually one of the key benefits of guarantees, which is the ability of the guarantee to build capacity, right? Um, which is fundamentally the the ability for the investor to learn how to make the investment. And it's great that we have uh, Chinua and Infracredit Nigeria here because I think they have demonstrated over the last three years one of probably the most powerful examples of capacity building and changing markets and transforming markets through the use of guarantees. So I'm not going to steal his thunder, but leave him to talk about that. But it is one of the key tenets of the guarantee. Fundamentally, when I talk about guarantees, I use that old Chinese proverb about if you give a person a fish, you feed them for one day, but if you teach them how to fish, you feed them for life. And really the guarantee can bring that proverb to reality and that's really what we we see the power of the guarantee being 
you want the investor to not sit in the back seat of the car. You want them to sit in the driving seat, but they need the airbag, which is the guarantee to have the confidence to learn how to drive. And that's one of the key sort of, you know, analogies I use when I talk about trying to build this capacity, get this inv- getting investors to really take control of the steering wheel and learn and how to steer themselves in the right direction. But knowing that they have the safety of the guarantee, which, you know, in the analogies, the airbag to protect them if something goes wrong. So that is how you ultimately build confidence, which is effectively what guarantees are there to do, which is build confidence. All right. So let's meet Chinua. Chinua working for InfraCredit, one company playing a significant role in bringing local currency guarantees to the market. Can you tell us how InfraCredit operates, Chinua? InfraCredit, we were established um, in 2017 uh, by Garanco in collaboration with the Nigerian Sovereign Investment Authority. InfraCredit's uh, mission is essentially to mobilize long-term financing in local currency in Nigeria using its guarantees uh, to provide credit enhancement and attract the investment interest from domestic pensions, insurance, and other institutional investors to invest in infrastructure. By doing this, we're able to help to connect infrastructure companies to the domestic debt capital markets by enabling these companies to extend the tenor of their borrowings through corporate infrastructure bonds. We enable them to reduce their cost of capital. And importantly, we we mobilize or attract pension funds, creating a new asset class for for these institutional investors to to hold on their books in local currency. And why do you believe InfraCredit is the future of local currency solutions? The model, if well implemented, certainly is transformational. And I think it's very evidential from from the experience that Garanco has had just by over the past four years, having operated in Nigeria prior to establishing InfraCredit and essentially disrupting itself by creating a local guarantor that is able to originate local transactions much quicker, price the transactions probably better because we have a local currency cost of funding and have a better insight in the local markets, better perception of of risk because we're we're on the ground and essentially build local confidence in in the market. So just understanding the value that Garanco's attempt to replicate its model locally has had in accelerating local finance in Nigeria, uh, I think it gives a very good case study of of the replicable effect of the concept of an infracredit, if 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 replicated in in you know with learnings from from some of the experiences we've had to make the model even better, but clearly from a from a cost efficiency basis, from a mobilization point of view, and from just building local capacity, it is very evident that this is really a model that could further strengthen the vision. Of Garanco and um, and um, I'd say the wider group in terms, if you look at it from from broadly, what um, Cardano is looking to achieve, essentially this could really accelerate that mission of really unlocking more financing in local currency, building local capacity, and expanding access um, and affordability to to finance for infrastructure. Less, how has Garanco's involvement propelled InfraCredit forward? The purpose of a guarantee is ultimately to provide confidence to to the investor and to the market around um, an investment opportunity. 
And Garanko's participation in InfraCredit and also InfraZamen is really designed to help bring confidence. Garanko itself is rated by two international rating agencies, Fitch and Moody's, um, and very highly rated at that. And then also Garanko has now a track record of over 15 years of working in local capital markets and providing guarantees and supporting companies and investors uh, over that 15 years. So fundamentally what Garanko brings to the table with its support for InfraCredit is that history, that track record, that confidence that InfraCredit is there for the long term. What's the biggest difference between InfraCredit and Garanko? I think the fundamental difference between the two is focus. So Garanko is has a more global outlook. It operates in Africa and Asia, whereas InfraCredit is very focused on, on Nigeria. And I think that makes sense from a number of different levels. Fundamentally, what we realized at Garanko was that the need in terms of development for local capital markets globally is such that if you were trying to resource up Garanko to be able to service all that need, you effectively would end up with an organization that was in the hundreds of thousands of people, because that's kind of what's needed to make that happen. And that's really not fundamentally efficient. So building local guarantors like InfraCredit Nigeria and like InfraZamen really makes a lot more sense because essentially what you're doing is creating a local institution to champion the local capital market uh, staffed by by local investment professionals. And that creates a much more durable, effective champion for the local capital markets that Garanko can be. Okay, Joost, are there any countries or sectors that are particularly receptive to local currency guarantees? And are there any gaps in the market? Nigeria is a very ideal example of this. So our experience is that for local currency to work well in unlocking local capital markets, you have to have a minimum of investor size and investor numbers that are keen to engage. And we've seen that very clearly in Nigeria, but there are quite a number of developing countries with intermediate-sized economies in all continents where we believe that uh, we can play a meaningful role in, 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 the, in the development of the markets through the use of guarantees. A very good example, of course, is also in Pakistan, where InfraZymin now exists. We are currently in process of creating a similar institution in Kenya, and we're looking at a dozen other potential uh, countries, either in Asia or in Africa, we could meaningfully engage. To lift from what Just has said here, uh, I think the Pakistan example is a very good one uh, to take in terms of what has been happening in a lot of frontier markets over the last decade or so. So in Pakistan specifically, um, if you see the way the financial sector has evolved over the last, say, 10 years or so, you have a fairly robust banking sector, well capitalized, and you have underdeveloped debt capital markets. So the issuance, at least, of debt instruments has been not as exciting uh, as we would have liked to have seen. But on the other hand, even on the banking sector side, the risk aversion has certainly gone up tremendously. Uh, and that is in, in part due to the way that the regulation has developed uh, and also in the way that banks have been assessing risk. 
there is also heavy uh, government crowding out of the private sector in Pakistan specifically. Uh, and the government is indeed the largest borrower from both the banking sector as well as the capital markets. And I think this is a market failure which Infrazam in Pakistan is looking to address. Now, I do think that the market here is actually quite ripe for a product, uh, a guarantee product that Infrazamin is bringing. And, you know, since I've joined in January uh, this year, just in the last six months or so, even during the initial setup phase of Infrazamin, we have seen quite a bit of demand build up in terms of the guarantee product uh, from the private sector or in the infrastructure space. Uh, and I think that's addressing many issues. One, it's addressing the general uh, perceived riskiness of project finance uh, in infrastructure. The second thing it's also addressing is perhaps per party limits, where banks have uh, potentially exhausted their limits to lending. And it's also addressing the investor comfort, if you like, in terms of uh, accepting debt instruments that, that, that carry that guarantee structure. So there is a situation here in Pakistan where the markets have seized and failed to provide that push towards project finance that we need to see here. Um, there are certainly projects that can be bankable and very easily made bankable through the credit enhancement um, facilities that we're offering. And at the same time, there are ready pools of liquidity already available so, you know, the building blocks are in place. And what has been very encouraging, at least uh, for me sitting here in Frazamen, is that the pipeline of projects is building very steadily. And that certainly points towards mobilization of greater local currency uh, capital into project finance, which, which should help uh, release a tremendous amount of liquidity into this space. Thank you, Mahin. And, and where do you think the sector will end up in the next five years? Well, in terms of infrastructure financing, I, I, I think that ideally we should, as Infrazamin, work ourselves out of a job. Uh, because if we get it right and if we structure it right, uh, then after the first couple of transactions in a particular sector, the need for a guarantee framework should ideally not be there because the market has then learned how to absorb and classify that risk. And then going forward, that releases our ability to be able to look at various different sectors. So if we are looking, for example, today at where we are seeing a tremendous amount of demand come from. It is coming particularly from the energy and the renewable energy uh, sectors today. Uh, however, where we uh, are seeing still perhaps a gap uh, in understanding, and that is where capacity building will, will come in, is the more sort of underserved sector sectors, which would be in the social space, such as affordable housing or education or even healthcare. And I think what we'd really like to be able to do here in Frazamen is make those sectors bankable and eventually come to the point where such projects can come on board without necessarily the need for the credit guarantee to be there. So I do think that it will take um, a few years uh, for the market to understand the way the guarantee works. Uh, but I do think that that also the understanding of the guarantee structure is certainly there within the Pakistan context. Um, Garanko has been operating out of here since 2013. The market is quite receptive to such ideas. So I think eventually, yes, if we are able to do our jobs right, uh, then uh, you know, in the future, I would imagine next 10 years or so, ideally there should not be that need uh, to consistently provide guarantees in various sectors. And Chinwa, you wanted to jump in. I just wanted to, to highlight on the, on the back of Mahin's comments, around being able to support the market and to build its um, path to self-reliance. So InfraCredit, to date, we've supported four infrastructure projects, um, raise financing in local currency. 
we extended the yield curve for corporate debt to 15 years from prior to our existence. It was um, seven years. And we essentially enabled a company called Not Power, a hydro company, issued the first 15-year green bond in, in 2019. But what was quite remarkable was that Not Power, after raising that 15-year bond, approached the market um, late last year, um, was able to raise a 10-year bond without the need for a guarantee from the from the same local pension funds. So this is one example of how, you know, infracredits, um, the infracredit model in terms of be, being able to build local capacity and, and, and set market standards or precedents that can enable the, the pensions and the local institutional investors being able to invest in these asset classes without the need for a guarantee. So it's happening in Nigeria. Um, and so I think it's, it's quite remarkable to see how the impact of, of guarantees can, can help provide local capacity and sustainability. Okay, let's bring in Janice. What trends do you see in blended finance transactions considering guarantees, Janice? Do any new developments in the industry stand out to you? I think first and foremost, there's been a tremendous increase of interest in guarantees. Um, there are a number of new guarantee vehicles that have popped up. But to be honest, in terms of local currency guarantee vehicles, outside gar- InfraCredits and, and Garanco, there aren't that many more vehicles despite the comments that Chinwa made earlier about the cost-effectiveness of of these guarantees. But just to comment on the trends in the infrastructure industry, because I think those are quite important to take into account and what's happening at the moment. And you can't comment on trends at the moment without commenting on just the backdrop of of the pandemic, because what that that has meant is that the the fiscal balance sheets have been decimated and and governments therefore have this renewed interest in, in PPPs in particular and the need to crowd in private sector investment to fill the funding gap. Along with that comes the recognition that actually currency risk is being borne by the wrong party. So a very long time, historically, as was commented on earlier, um, a lot of funding came from offshore for infrastructure projects. And that has always introduced a risk to the people who are least able to bear that risk um, with double-digit depreciation rates. And then finally, the third trend is this activism from pension funds. So we're seeing a lot of pension funds begin to to stop, step up um, and actually want to, to find products that they can invest in because their pool of savings have grown tremendously, driven by the legislative requirements to save. And so we're seeing consortiums pop up. So there's the Asset Owners Forum in South Africa, there's the Keptic Consortium in Kenya, and even in a small country like Malawi, where they've got $3 billion of of assets under management in a $7 billion economy, you're seeing pension funds trying to create their infrastructure projects. Um, So that can only mean that we're going to see a greater need for more more local currency guarantees. And Joost, I know you wanted to jump in on this point. The model of a locally grounded uh, guarantor to, to... to help the capital markets develop is a very powerful and self-explanatory model. And so we've seen, of course, uh, Chinua could, could talk about Nigeria, but we, we're seeing the same thing in Kenya. We, we've been invited by a number of countries to come, by actors in these countries to come and, and see whether we could develop that model uh, for their markets. So one of the very, very positive features of of this whole topic is that this enthusiasm is shared very widely and specifically with the local stakeholders of these capital markets.
So I'd like to open these questions up to the floor. Where do you each see the opportunities and future development of the local currency guarantee space? I guess I should just start by just reiterating the point I made earlier, which is that we always do more than just provide a guarantee. And we always do more than just provide a guarantee in low-income countries because the sponsors in these countries need time and, and help to get their projects ready for financing. And so I think the first thing that we can expect to see is guarantee vehicles having to create almost advisory type units like we've done at Garantco. So we've got an initiative called Infra Solutions, which we set up to try and increase the number of bankable projects so that different pitch companies can invest and indeed create more, more bankable projects for the market so we can see more local currency transactions in infrastructure. I think we'll also see a lot more PPPs. And so one of the, the product lines that uh, guarantee vehicles should be thinking about is a staple financing for these PPPs because inevitably, if we want to accelerate the rate at which these PPPs come to market, that's, that's something that the guarantee vehicles should be thinking about. And I think finally is just that collaboration with, with, with pension funds. Pension funds are getting a lot more active. I think we've seen it in Nigeria. Um, Chinua talked about his success story there. But that, that collaboration with pension funds to work on extending the yield curve or going into a new sector like the social infrastructure sector is quite important in the future if they're going to make guarantees of success. So, Mahin, I, I noticed you wanted to step in. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, one other aspect, I think, that a very important one, which uh, the group brings into Pakistan and other frontier markets, is the element of impact and impact finance in particular. And I think this is clearly important for countries which are struggling on SDGs, which are struggling on their sh- social indicators, uh, whereby if we can encourage projects to come forward that have cover on HSES and have that cover on ESG mandates, uh, then we are creating an entirely new, I would say, asset class for investors to look at as well, both international as well as local. And I think you know the, the readiness for the market certainly is there. We have had, uh, I think, Pakistan's first international green bond issuance, I think just a month back. I think there is a lot of focus happening now on ESG and impact. Uh, and so I think we're kind of fitting in very much at the right time uh, to create that uh, element of awareness as far as SDG goals, etc. go. Uh, so I think the entire element or the entire framework of development impact doesn't just extend towards the development of capital markets, but certainly towards the social development indicators. And that's, I think, a very important piece that we are looking to fill uh, within, this, uh, within this space. In each episode, we want to make sure you take away practical tools and actionable insight and knowledge. So we're wrapping up with the do's and don'ts of creating a successful transaction. Lass, would you do the honours? The fundamental thing about a guarantee and a transaction is that a guarantee can't make a bad transaction a good transaction. And so what I mean by that is the basics of the transaction need to be sound. So my advice to anyone looking to put a deal together and looking for a guarantee would be that you need to go back to the basic principles and make sure that they are fundamentally sound. Guarantees can help address perceptions of risk, but they can't actually turn bad risks into good risks. So that's a key piece of advice, I would say, for anyone considering a guaranteed transaction. Let's cross to... Janice, then, have you got any advice that you can share on the do's and don'ts of creating a successful transaction? 
do be patient. The challenge with guarantees is that, and it's one of the roles that uh, that makes us developmental. You can't do a transaction without getting two other parties across the line, right? So you need to get your investor across the line. You need to get your sponsor to do the right things to create your bankable project. So, so do be patient because it, it is it is a bit more complex. I think the other important thing that we probably haven't touched on this morning, I just uh, mentioned the, the element of ratings. So ratings are very important because they signal credit risk. But I think it's an important way to develop a market as well to help them distinguish the level of risk that they're looking at in a particular transaction. And so one of the examples I'd like to cite is the Aiken transaction where with just a 50% partial credit guarantee, we're able to rate the transaction B1, which is one notch above the Kenya government, which sent a message to the market that actually there's a little bit of credit enhancement. You don't need a 100% guarantee. You can end up with a well-structured bankable transaction. Thanks, Janice. And uh, Chinwa, have you got anything to add? For us, it's it's really much around. I think the the, the factor around patience. I think we, what we've experienced is that um, the ecosystem has to function very efficiently to really unlock market growth, and so it's an incremental process. Um, there's a lot of capacity building that we experience, both from regulators to investors, and then also even the issuers themselves especially as we bring in best practice in environmental and social governance in the projects we do. So, yeah, so I think that that to me is one of the, the, the strong learnings, just, just that how markets incrementally grow and, and the need for strong collaborations across the, the life cycle for, for an infrastructure project. So what is the starting point then? Anyone feel free to, to throw in your advice here. But if you were to share advice for local investors or impact investors interested in starting out in this field, where do they begin? Yeah, it's a very good question, Oli. Um, I think uh, the strength of capital markets and guarantees for capital markets really uh, become very compelling once you have a whole pipeline of past transactions and the next deal will will be easier to do. So the biggest hurdle is frequently the first deal. And we have a lot of experience with Garantco, whose mandate it is to to be uh, at the forefront of of development. And uh, so Garantco has sponsored quite a few firsts in many countries. What we note there is that there is actually a first mover advantage both for the issuer and for the investors that are participating in such a such a landmark transaction. For the issuer, frequently, we find that uh, there are uh, local champions who really take a long-term view, don't look at the uh, economics of the transaction on its standalone merits, but also look at the uh, ability for the funding options to, to diversify and deepen its access to funding, which from experience, you can see actually works out quite well within a time frame of a few years. For investors, you see that maiden deals that are issued in a new market, really uh, compared to the later transactions from a risk return perspective, stack up very, very nicely. So I would advise uh, both issuers and investors, make sure you um, take a keen interest in what, what what's what's going on, and see if you can participate early in the process. Thanks to Joost Zuidberg, Les Pereira, Janice Kotoet, Mahin Rahman, 
and Chinua Zubike for joining us on the podcast. In future episodes, we'll continue to explore topics related to financial market development. Our next episode will be focused on technical assistance and its role in strengthening market development in developing countries. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit our website for loads of extra content and information. That's cardanodevelopment.com slash insights. Bye for now and we'll see you next time. Bye.